Hi, it's Matt. Just before we start the show, I want to tell you about a great live event I've got coming up on the 27th of March. To celebrate 600 episodes of Recruiting Future, I'm going to be hosting a live Ask Me Anything webinar. This is your chance to pick my brain on anything you like, including market trends and predictions, the impact of AI on recruiting, skills-based hiring, the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mattalder.me slash AMA. That's mattalder.me slash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. mattalder.me slash AMA. Support for this podcast comes from Cielo. Cielo is the world's leading provider of global recruitment process outsourcing and related solutions, spanning the talent lifecycle from employer branding to onboarding. Cielo takes a We Become You approach to RPO that provides their clients with customised solutions that match industries, geographies and business priorities. To find out more, visit www.cielotalent.com. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 48 of the Recruiting Future podcast. This week, I'm delighted to welcome back another returning guest. About this time last year, I spoke to Neil Morrison, HRD for Penguin Random House. We talked about all things HR tech and also a new groundbreaking entry-level recruitment initiative his team were running, which they were calling The Scheme. One year on, and they're running The Scheme again. I wanted to catch up with Neil to find out what they'd learned and how things had developed. There's some absolutely fascinating stuff here. Enjoy listening. Hi, Neil. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks very much, Matt. Good to be here. Um, a pleasure to have you back. We last spoke, um, I think it was almost uh, 12 months ago, actually. It was kind of round about Easter last year. Could you just introduce yourself um, to everyone who may not have listened to the podcast before or may not have um, uh, you know, come, come across you or read any of your stuff? Sure. So my name is Neil Morrison. I'm the Group HR Director uh, for the UK and international companies at Penguin Random House. Um, I'm also uh, a non-executive for the CIPD in the UK and uh, write and blog and speak about HR and the world of work and uh, various other bits and bobs. Now, when we were talking last year, we were sort of talking about HR and technology and and various things like that. Um, But at the end of the interview, you were talking about the scheme, which which at the time was your new entry-level talent initiative. Um, And and really, you know, the the reason for the conversation today is to sort of uh, to find out a bit more about that and and find out what what you've done with it and what you're doing this year. Um, Could you just sort of recap and tell us um, what the scheme, what the scheme is, how it came about um, and how it went last year? 
Sure. So the scheme is an entry-level program that we have at Penguin Random House. And it was devised to try and tackle three uh, specific issues we had. One was uh, about being inclusive, uh, particularly around socioeconomic diversity in our organisation, opening our doors to uh, more diverse candidate pools. The second was a real need to get uh, marketing uh, talent, I should say, into the organisation. So looking at our business increasingly being marketing-led and uh, an understanding that the way in which you market to consumers is very, very different and therefore we need to get different skill sets in. And thirdly, it was about being the largest publisher, uh, trade publisher, and having a standout programme that really uh, looked within the industry uh, as a um, as something that other companies could look towards and aspire to. And so what we did last year was we set out to try and recruit four entry-level graduate candidates into our organisation. And we were uh, assessing people effectively against core competencies for the job. So we removed any requirement for any formal education. We removed any requirement for any demographic information. The first couple of rounds, all we knew about people were their email addresses and, and the, their answers to questions. We didn't know anything else about them. Um, we built the campaign entirely around social platforms. So the, the, main, um, the main site was built on Tumblr and we used our social channels in order to attract people and to try and create a, some sort of, uh, I guess, noise around the program itself. And that led to us hiring four uh, people who joined our business in September last year, uh, two of which came from what I would say were quite traditional backgrounds, so two graduate entrants uh, and two people who came from completely different backgrounds, all of whom performed equally well across all of our assessments. Very interesting. And what did you what did you learn from doing that? Because I mean, there's there's a huge amount of stuff there. There's uh, you know uh, abandoning sort of uh, the need for a degree for for for, for entry to the company, um, the fact that you didn't know anything about the candidates' backgrounds till later on in the process, um, and, you know, and, and obviously then sort of coming in and, and doing the job. What 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 did what did you learn from that? What how did it go? Yeah, I, I mean. A huge amount is the simple answer. We we learned so much. What did we learn? We learned that actually when you're looking to recruit on potential, when you're looking to recruit against role requirements, it's a lot harder than putting in artificial characteristics such as much have a 2-1 degree. Um, it makes it harder for the resources. Uh, it makes it harder for the uh, assessors. But actually, we also found out you get a, a broader, better quality of candidate you get um, a more diverse uh, candidate pool and you recruit a different type of people so for example one of, one of the people that uh, we recruited finished her a levels the day before she came to the final assessment process now now if we had the degree requirement she would never have um, have got through to that stage but also actually a lot of the preconceptions that people had around 18 year olds and what their soft skills would be like, how they'd perform, how they'd be able to navigate a, a, an organisation such as our own, uh, were completely uh, dispelled through the initial process. I guess the main thing that we learned was that people without uh, formal higher education were as likely to perform as well as people with formal higher education. In other words, 
people without degrees were performing as well as people with degrees and people with degrees were performing as badly as people without. So from the four, we had two who, who, who didn't have a formal higher education background. Uh, and that's what led us to make the decision earlier in 2016 to remove the requirement for uh, degrees from all of our roles across the organisation. Now, that's, that's a sort of a very big move, particularly for, um, you know, your industry, the publishing industry. What's the reaction to that been like? So the response has been really positive. Uh, I think it's been welcomed. I think there are a lot of people that have um, uh, seen it as a really bold move towards inclusivity. I think we've been very clear all along that our doors are very much open to graduates as well. What we're not saying is we don't want to hear from graduates. What we're saying is we want to hear from the best talent, from the most creative people, from the people with the most potential, regardless of what their background is. So we're not going to put in place artificial barriers. Um, the response has been very positive from the university sector as well, uh, recognising that university is the right path for some people, but not for everyone. Um, and generally within the business, within Penguin Random House, it's been incredibly well received as well. People seeing it as a, as a positive step towards transforming publishing as an industry. So you're now running um, the scheme for this year. Um, so this, the second time you've done it. What, what's, what's changed from, from last year? What have, you, uh, what have you learned? What are you doing differently? Or is it just exactly the same again? So we, we are indeed running the Scheme 16. Um, the name The Scheme came because we couldn't think of anything better. The, <laughs> the name The Scheme 16 became <laughs> because we couldn't think of anything better and it was 2016. So we, we are creative geniuses ourselves. Um, what's changed this year is we, we're now looking at editorial roles, um, which I think is really quite an, uh, an interesting and progressive move. This is the heart of publishing the people that edit and work with authors. And by going out and looking for, for new voices, for new talent in those areas who don't necessarily have a specific uh, formal education, um, that is quite transformational for the publishing industry. We're also looking at different social channels. So in order to, to attract those people, our campaign has been built around stories, um, one of the biggest places where, where young people are telling stories is on Snapchat. So we've been using Snapchat as a channel to engage with people to talk about what life is really like here. We've handed over our Snapchat uh, um, account to various different people within the organisation who've been given an insight into their days. Um, and our assessment process is slightly different as well. I don't want to tell you too much about that because uh, our closing date for applications on the first stage is the 8th of April so we've still got a little way to go before we we actually get to that but we've got we've got some tricks up our sleeves to come on that too fantastic I, I, I particularly liked the um, the snapchat stuff I was looking at it um, I was looking at it last week it's just a, um, a kind of really authentic a use of the um, use of the platform and also just really interesting as well to see uh, you know, to see what someone's days like um, working, uh, you know, working in editorial in publishing. Did you, did you have kind of, have you had any help help with the promotions? It's something that you've done internally. Um, have you used sort of any external advisors or agencies, or, or or is it something you've done yourselves? So, 
the entire scheme, uh, both in 2015 and 2016, has been run by the HR team. So everything from the design of the website, the coding of the website, the social campaigns has been run entirely by my team. Um, and one of the things that's been really interesting is finding out all those hidden skills that people have. The, uh, the Snapchat actually came from a discussion with the successful candidates last year when we were talking about it. And being slightly old-fashioned, a little bit out of touch, we kind of went, what do you think to Vine? <laughs> and, everyone, and everyone went, yeah, not really. Uh, how about Periscope? Not so much. Okay, so what should we be using? And they, they were very, very clear. Snapchat, Snapchat was the place to be talking to people. Um, so, so that's why we've done it. So it's been a new experiment for us. It's been really exciting, really interesting, I think, We've had a, huge, uh, a hugely positive level of engagement, considering we're quite new to this. The, the analytics aren't as helpful uh, as they are on, on, for example, Facebook or Twitter. So we were struggling with that a little bit. Um, and, of course, the fact that it's relatively temporary in terms of the presence um, that you give it on, on, the, on the channel. But um, at the times when, when we've had the, the live stories, they've been, had really positive engagement. Yeah, I think um, it just seemed to me it was like a really, really kind of clever use of the medium. And it was obvious that um, you were, it was either being done by someone who really understands Snapchat or you were being advised by people who really understood Snapchat. So it kind of uh, makes perfect sense that it was obviously the people who, uh, you know, successfully navigated the scheme last year. Um, so just to sort of clarify with Scheme 16, what, is it actually a, a full-time job that people get out of this or is it a placement? What's the, what's the actual kind of end, end, end result? Okay, so, so what we're looking at is four people to join us in September 2016. Uh, they come into us initially on a 13-month contract, a 13-month fixed-term contract. And within that period of time, they'll spend six months with two of our eight publishing divisions. And what we try and give to that is a, a diverse mixture. So you might spend six months in a very commercial division and then six months in a, a, in a more literary division, for example. Uh, but you come in, you do a real job, you get real experience, you get training, you get support, you get a manager, you get a mentor, and a development program that's tailored around you. And is to demonstrate that we're good enough for those people to want to stay with us and work for us. But we also recognize that at the end of that period of time, they might decide that, you know, we're not the people that they want to go for. Um, but very much it's about create, uh, um, uh, attracting new talent. And so our view is that we desperately want the four people to stay with us. In terms of the the future of entry level recruitment, do you think do you think this is this is what it looks like? Do you think the um, the old kind of reliance on graduates and formal uh, formal ways of, re of recruiting graduates and uh, and even apprentices um, are out of date? Do you think do you think this is um, this is the way that other companies should 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 be moving forward? I think there's definitely a diversification of. Uh, entry-level options for young people, um, particularly in the UK where we've seen increasing tuition fees, increasing costs of going into higher education. It's only right that young people are, are looking to see what options are available to them, whether it's apprenticeships, whether it's universities, whether it's going direct into the workforce. And I think organisations that are 
are um, forward thinking will be understanding that if they can put a compelling offering on the table, there will be really talented young people who want to come straight into work. Why wouldn't you? You know, one one of the people last year was working out that during the period of time that she would have been in university, she would have earned something like £70,000. Meanwhile, the person that went to university will be in something like £40,000 worth of debt. Um, you, you know, that will be right for some people. It won't be right for other people. Um, but I think there is an increasing opportunity to attract people at that 18, 19, 20 uh, year olds who haven't been to university and if you can put the right development program in place for them in your organization then not only can you capture some really talented individuals but you can also help them develop during that period of time perhaps to the same level if not beyond than they would have been if they'd gone to to university so final question what advice would you have for other employers who are who are maybe thinking of doing something similar, having their own um, having their own version of the scheme? So, I, my advice would be start by really trying to understand the requirements uh, of a job. What is it that makes someone really stand out in role, and then look at how you recruit and assess to those requirements. You know. Quite often when you talk to people and say, what is it that makes someone really successful? You know, it's very, very rarely that they say, oh, it's a degree or it's having ABB or it's having five GCSEs A to C. They'll talk about, you know, their creativity or their interpersonal skills or their commercial acumen or their understanding of consumer. These are all the characteristics that we're looking for. And then trying to think about how you assess and source those. So, so, so that's the first thing. The second thing is understanding that your sourcing techniques are going to have to be completely different. If you're trying to get to audiences that you don't currently uh, recruit from, then you need to recruit in a different way. You can't just do what you've always done and expect people to be there just waiting for you to come along. So that's where we've used the social channels, for example. And the third piece, I think, is really engaging people within the business uh, and within your business to help you kind of define the, the, the program because quite often they will have contacts, they'll know people, they'll be uh, related to people, have friends, family, whatever it is, who can help spread the word. And having those internal ambassadors, you know, who are using their own social channels, who are talking about it on their own Twitter, on their own Facebook, are absolutely critical to, to spreading that message, attracting the people and then assessing them against those criteria. Neil, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you, Matt. My thanks to Neil Morrison. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can find all the past episodes of the show at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and also find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. 
Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analysts at Lachifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.